the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Can you talk and test it for me? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. All right. Okay, guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zeggers. Thanks for joining us. We are back with my friend, Allison Rogers. She works with me at my nonprofit where we interview survivors from communist countries. You can watch our work at thefreedomrecords.com. But today we are talking about another thing Allie is completely invested in, and I give her so much credit and just appreciation for her involvement in local politics and her local community. She's involved in a recall effort. Now, there's a few reasons why I want to interview her on this, you guys. One of them is the fact that it's a great example of how average people that maybe weren't involved in politics before, maybe didn't keep their their eyes on what was going on, they can become more awake to what's happening and then they can step up and become a part of it. Allie did that. But also this is going to be helpful for you guys to see what you can possibly do in your community. And then it's also important for us to understand how crucial the role of district attorney is in a community and what's going on. Because after this episode, we're doing a whole deep historical dive on the connection between district attorneys, the bought and paid for elections by very rich people with a lot of money that don't have the best of intentions for the future of the country, and the connection to dangerous groups from the past, specifically weather underground. Allie is an expert, <laughs> a, an official expert. With that being said, let's get into it. Uh, Allie, thank you for joining us again. Hi, thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> Okay, so I think a good way to start, we talked about this on your intro episode of how you've lived in LA for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. You didn't necessarily pay attention to politics or anything really going on for a little bit. Yeah. What changed things and how did you, what were you involved in before you got involved in community stuff? Mm -hmm. What were you focused on and then when did things change for you? Yeah, so... I mentioned in my first episode the you know, I was born and raised conservative, and so I moved down to L.A., not with, like, a lot of, you know, at attention on local politics. <clears throat> I did know that, you know, Maxine Waters was my one of the representatives, and she's, you know, been in office for, like, over 30 years, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but anyway, you know, I would mention during 2020 I was – a little confused or whatnot. And, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests broke out. And um, I was just very curious about that movement. I knew of them, but I wasn't, like, fully aware of everything, obviously. Um, and so I actually went. I went to two Black Lives Matter protests, mainly out of curiosity. Were you sympathetic, do you mean? Like, you were like, yeah, Black Lives Matter? You know? uh, I was never really, I wasn't like that. It was really like I wanted to understand where they were coming from. Yeah. Um, and so, and it was happening in my backyard, essentially. And so yeah. it was this huge nationwide moment for all of us. Yeah. Well, and it, now we know why. Guys, we have to hit the button. Oh. We uh, 
our trademark. <laughs> so <laughs> good. Um, for those of you who are new to the show, that is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, Patrice Colors. Yes. We uh, are trademark. It really hammers at home, Allie. I was trying to explain to Allie how I have this board of buttons <laughs> and I play them. And so My every time favorite. we talk about Black Lives Matter, we have to see what their founders called themselves. Trained yeah. Marxists. Trained Marxists. Allie, continue. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so you're 2020. Yeah. You're, you're seeing the rise of Black Lives Matter and you mm-hmm. go to their rallies. Yeah. And so. What was that like? What the heck? I know. So crazy, right? Like who would have thought? Because you were also going to Trump rallies. Did you go to the Black Lives Matter ones first? First. Because it was like Trump happening ones? in May, right? Oh, okay, and then okay. I didn't really get red pilled to like June, July-ish, oh, 2020. But it was going to get you. Yeah, it was going to get me. <laughs> so anyway, I went and what, my first riot or protest <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> i don't know if it was a riot it was, was a riot? protest <laughs> it was a protest in front of garcetti's house which is the mayor of la oh you and went to someone's house yeah scandalous and um they were they got their drums like they got their chanting they got people up there talking and i really just wanted to go and observe i was just like yeah. what is going on like mm-hmm. and uh and so one of the things that they were chanting was F Jackie Lacey, F Jackie Lacey. And I'm like, who's Jackie Lacey? And I'm like, that's our DA. And I'm like, what does a DA do? And so I started to like research what the DA does. And they oversee all the, cr- the criminals and all the, um, you know, the people going in for their sentencing and all of that. And I'm like, what? And then I started to piece together. They wanted to abolish the police, obviously. They want to abolish the prison system. And I started to think, st- started to see the picture th- that they are pro-criminal, essentially. And I'm like, well, what, what do they, who do they want to replace Jackie Lacey with? First of all, I just find it such a ironic point that Jackie Lacey is a black woman. And she was hard on crime. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So the district attorney yeah. that is in charge of sentencing, keeping the criminals in check, handling yeah. basically public justice, safety, public yeah. safety and prosecuting in the yeah. community. She was a black woman that mm-hmm. was hard on crime and was yeah. holding bad people accountable. Yeah. And Black Lives Matter is chanting F her. Yeah. F and her. who did they want to replace her with? A white so, guy? Yeah. They were, <laughs> <laughs> they were, and they were endorsing George Gascon. Okay. And I knew George Gascon because I'm from Northern California and San Francisco was in my backyard and he was the DA of San Francisco. You're kidding. The same guy? Yes. Also, side note, I did an episode on this um, before we introduced Allie to the show and I called him Gascon. So if you're confused, <laughs> I said it wrong. It's Gascon. Gascon. Not he's like Beauty con. and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> Gascon because he's a con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I filmed the episode and I was like, Allie, look, I, I did it on the topic that yeah. you love so much. And then I met somebody who said, you, you said it wrong for a straight hour, Morgan. <laughs> and then I was like, Allie's going to hate me. <laughs> I was like, I'm disappointed, Allie. <laughs> There's a lot of different <laughs> I was really names. excited to be like, Allie, look, I did a whole episode on this guy <laughs> wrong. Um, wrong but the facts were true back yes. to it gascon the con yeah so he was the da of san francisco yes and then moved to la and yeah. they make him da here mm-hmm. but he yeah. ran against jackie a black woman well, with the support of black lives matter yeah yeah so she in 2020 when we had the election he was the one that like all the leaders in la were endorsing wow. you know garcetti our mayor endorsed him obviously maxine waters endorsed him all the black lives matter people endorsed him do they run as a party line person yeah but was jackie republican or democrat democrat 
Oh, I and believe. so they, did, did she say she's not going to run again or did she lose in a primary? Oh, she, Do you yeah. know? I, I don't know that much. We'll have but to look. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a So there point. was an incumbent. Yeah. That wasn't supported by the people. Yeah. Wow. They wanted an anti, they wanted a pro criminal person. Exactly. And for, I think maybe your audience knows like San Francisco was destroyed because of Gascon's policies. Wow. He was the DA from 2011 to 2019. Yeah. In San Francisco. And they were like, let's do it in LA. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it again. That is, you know, that makes things even more ridiculous because you could, you saw the, yes, you saw what happens when he is in charge and then they were like, let's bring him to LA and do it here. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, I, I pieced those two pieces together and I feel like, I was um, kind of ahead of the ball in a sense of like who this guy was and yeah. what he was going to do. A lot of people were just like, yeah, this is a good thing. Like, um, you know, social justice. And um, <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, like, clearly you're not aware of what's about to happen down here. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was sworn in on December 7th, 2020. And within, you know, that month, I don't know how soon after he was sworn in, he implemented zero bail policy. And so basically California already has prop, I believe it's prop 47, which, um, uh, let out a lot of criminals from jail already. Okay. And then, um, zero, zero bail is like basically if someone gets arrested, if they're charged with a, you know, a misdemeanor or a certain thing, whatever they're arrested for, um, they get zero bail. So they're just held, they're processed, and then they're released. So there's, it's a slap on the wrist. And misdemeanors can be rape, it can be assault, it can be robbery, Ooh. it can be, um, you know, attack with like a weapon. Yeah. And so that's a huge deal. That, that degrades public safety immediately. Yeah. And you, we, people have to realize like what these DAs, these progressive DAs want to implement throughout the country. And, um, something and they call it bail reform. Yeah. Bail and reform. They say it's again, they say, Oh, it's bad for poor people that can't afford bail. Yeah. But in reality, it just becomes a revolving door for people that are, they commit a crime and then they go through the processing and then they're released right yeah. back onto the street and they do it again because that's again, how people and again, operate. And again, it's yeah. disgusting. It's pro criminal policies. And that's where it, uh, we talk about this on the podcast a lot. When does it move from incompetence to intentional yeah i mean yeah within like the leadership or oh yeah, yeah. within the leadership yeah. wanting to do these things and wanting to support these things yeah it, it's not incompetence to me to me almost everything looks intentional right yeah it's very intentional wow okay so this happened december what happened after he started implementing it okay i think it was um you have to be in office for 90 days or 120 days it was like something certain before um, you can file paperwork to recall a person. So it was literally like 120 days on the dot or whatever, you know, the limit was. Really? Yeah. And so the first recall happened and it just, it wasn't, not enough people knew. It didn't go well. We only got like 75,000 signatures. Oh, you were involved on that. Well, I was just, I was a very like, yeah, new know, to it. Outer skirts volunteer. Yeah. Um, and it, who, who was leading it? Was it Republicans or was it just concerned people in LA? Concerned that were, like, people. We're done? Yeah. Because I heard, when they recalled, um, how does it, Budin? Yeah, Jason Budin. Oh, Budin. Yeah. Okay, when they recalled Budin, it was led by liberals. Yes. That were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what have we done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. So 
um, you know, it was very bipartisan, cool. at least the first recall. The second recall, too, mm-hmm. bipartisan. But the thing is, is like L.A. has very different rules for the recall. And this is kind of like boring stuff, I guess. No, it's it's important for us to know. Like, oh, okay. We, we need to, at a local level, we need to understand how understand. change is, is coming. Yeah. So every county, I guess, has like different recall rules. Mm-hmm. And L.A., we had to pay over a million dollars just to You're kidding. file You're kidding. To recall paperwork. Yeah. Just to file the recall paperwork. So it's a lot, it takes a lot of manpower to get these things rolling and going. And it's a serious thing. Like, you know, you have to have a lot of people on deck and understand, you know, the danger of it all. And so, um, we, the second time the recall happened, um, one of the, the ladies who were involved called me and asked if I'd be interested in working on the campaign. And I was like, yeah, because I knew what this guy was going to do to L.A. And, yeah. um, and so I took the job and really I was like, it was a very humble position. It wasn't like, you know, doing the big, you know, main stuff or whatnot. But well, that's what campaigning is. It's yeah. like every, tasks need to be done. Yeah. And it, in everything in politics, yeah. tasks need to be done. Yeah. It doesn't matter who does them. They just need to happen. Right. And so it is very humbling. Yeah. So I worked in the mail room, really. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I would open the mail, the petitions for like three or four hours a day. And, um, you know, it was interesting. Like we would get like a lot of, um, passionate, like I call them love notes, like just people, you know, cheering Cute. us on and like, <laughs> we get a you, lot of those and hate notes. <laughs> right. And thanking us for, you know, what we're doing and get this guy out. A lot of like really strong verbiage sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the as the recall progressed towards the end, the increase in hate mail happened. And that was, like, very alarming to see. We even got a piece of mail um, apparently written by a, an ex-felon. And he was saying that if he wanted to go out, he doesn't support the recall because if he wanted to go out and commit a crime again, he knew that Gascon would just let him out. So these criminals know it That's, was from a criminal saying, yes. I want to be able to be let go. Yes, yes. And we get we got so many of those. Like, not necessarily from criminals, but just people being like, no, you know, F you. So many F you's. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so it was really intense. It got really intense towards the end. Oh, Allie. That's yeah. so strange. And so, so how long... Did you guys have to wait before the second recall? That's crazy. So you yeah. fundraised a million dollars, or they did. They fundraised a mm-hmm. million dollars did a bad job the first round yeah. and then did things just get so momentous yes and terrible that they it were was like, really let's do like, it again it was public education and honestly like the you know his policies were getting nationwide coverage you know tucker oh, yeah. was co- talking about them and you know the ny post like even liberal sites started to question his policies and so i think and then additionally like angelinos like we just we're, we're so chill. Like, California is what like... What the heck is an Angelinos? Can, we're what, Angelina like, Jolie? No, Angelinos, like Los Angeles. Like, we call ourselves <laughs> Angelinos. <laughs> it's like, but what like, Spanish word is that? Yeah, like, we're just... <laughs> okay, so sorry, I'm so yeah, white. It's okay. Oh, man. I love you. <laughs> okay, Angelinos. Yeah, we're chill, you know? <laughs> like, we just want to go to the beach, like, go to the Dodger game, have a hot dog, whatever, right? Oh my and God. so, apparently, you know these policies were interrupting our daily life. Like, and then the increase in homelessness and the decriminalization of, um, misdemeanors and the decriminalization of drugs 
just started to really run rampant in neighborhoods that we were not used to seeing. And so, you know, I live on the outer skirts of Beverly Hills and um, I don't feel safe anymore just walking my dog. Oh my God. Point blank. Because you just don't know if some guy is going to stab you. I mean, stabbings are frequent things. <laughs> stabbings, machetes, drug people, druggies, like high on crack can just do whatever they want to you and you know that you're not going to get really that support from the police you're not going to get the support from the prosecutors who are supposed to you know be backing victims interesting and And so 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 what's the let's get into the background of like how does a guy like that get into power what do we know mm -hmm. about his connection like did he have specific funders or anything that that got well definitely george soros Who's yeah. that? <laughs> George Soros is that billionaire who funds, you know, his latest thing is that he's funding DAs across um, the country. And it's been notorious, like in DA races, I've studied and read that, um, you know, they're very like low budget races. Oh, yeah. Like I mean, usually people don't even know what that job does. Yeah. And it's crucial yeah. for communities to s- succeed and thrive. Yeah. So usually, you know, a DA in a smaller town would, you know, get funding of a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly Soros is starting to come around and pouring two and a half million dollars into these DA races, a million dollars here, $800,000 here, $600,000 here. And that's really detrimental to the opponent, you know, or the oh, yeah. fighting that. And so these smaller towns, like those donors, maybe can't come up with six hundred thousand dollars yeah and they shouldn't have to that's no. what's crazy yeah and so i i wonder that like limitations in campaign funds it that's kind of over my head right now in terms mm-hmm. of like whoa that'd be a whole other conversation but mm-hmm. it's crazy how if you wanted to people never really thought about it but he came up with that strategy or i don't know who actually did it mm-hmm. but then they decided to convince him to put his money and effort into this Mm -hmm. this is all an operation oh yeah and they realized if we could actually put da's across the country in major cities that would implement the policies of san francisco and Mm -hmm. los angeles da's Mm -hmm. they could destroy the entire city oh yeah the fabric of the nation create massive chaos Mm -hmm. distrust in the government and Mm -hmm. the public uh good and then make people feel so unsafe Mm -hmm. support criminals at the same time it's kind of crazy they it's so simple all they had to do was buy really cheap DA races. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to point out like these policies embolden the criminals and so they're not even scared. Like I mentioned it before. Like they're they're really not even like worried about getting caught anymore or whatnot. Like in Beverly Hills, broad daylight, people will go and rob millions of dollars of jewels and like diamonds from a jeweler or um, an attempted carjacking on like one of the busiest main streets at 2 p.m. And so it's like you're seeing these regular things. And then what does that do? We saw it this last week with Starbucks. Businesses closed down. And that's another part of the Marxist agenda is to dismantle capitalism. Yeah. Right. And so they want to create these dangerous areas and grow you know, the lack of public safety so that capitalists and entrepreneurs and small businesses can't survive in these areas. Yeah. Good citizens. I mean, what yeah. was that word you and I were talking about it of, uh, you know, you have the bourgeoisie and mm-hmm. then you have the, the, the working class, the owners, but then there's also that other class, so the, what was it? Lumpen proletariat. I think I'm saying that right. Lumpen proletariat. Yeah. And what was that? It was like the lowest of the low class. It's an underclass. Yeah, it's the underclass that's completely controllable and they're not going to be quite used in the revolution that the the commies talk about, but they are the drug 
um, addicts. They're the homeless. They're the prostitutes. They're that that useless class, essentially. And they mm-hmm. have to kind of create that class to, you know, whatever, move along the revolution, I guess. So, I mean, we see that here. Like, I'm in Phoenix, which, you know, they're trying to make sure that it doesn't turn blue or anything, or yeah. Arizona. But I'm, I'm kind of glad to be leaving because when you walk around where I am, like, if you look over the ridge right there at the mountain, it's a homeless encampment. And the police are always there, but they can't kick them out because it's been decriminalized in mm-hmm. that way. Like you can't kick them out once they've established yeah. living quarters, basically. And so they all have tents and they all have baby strollers where they keep all of their items. So no babies. Um, what's strange is I live, uh, I'm moving, so I don't really care to, it's like, oh, I'm going to give up my location. <laughs> I'm near a Starbucks and a homeless encampment. And so it was fascinating for me to see the Howard Stern. Is that his name? That's not his name, is it? I think so. Howard Schultz. Oh, it's a Starbucks guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to say that. It was fascinating for me to see the CEO at the top of, of Starbucks talk about how it was too dangerous for them to keep it open because I run into that. Like if I go to the coffee shop nearby, the homeless people from the encampment are so emboldened in this practice and they're so established in their own little community right next door in mm-hmm. Tent City that they all walk over, they rummage through the dumpsters that I look out of my window and see every morning and I can hear them in the mornings rummaging through and then they walk all the, the goodies back that they found. I hate to say it like that, but like they yeah. walk all their findings back and then they all go over to Starbucks Starbucks and the Starbucks baristas are like girls and boys, right? Mm-hmm. They're students at ASU. And you can see how uncomfortable they are in the interaction where the homeless people come in and to be honest, they're pretty drugged out looking and they yeah. look pretty freaky and they walk in and then there's not even something that's said anymore. The Starbucks people just know now that like, oh, it's time to give them their water. And so they'll walk out with 12 free um, extra large starbucks cups of ice water and then they walk over and so it's it's become a routine like they you can't kick them out you can't tell them no and so bad stuff happens in the bathrooms of the places too so i totally understood what the ceo of starbucks was saying yeah not only that Allie, but when you walk around and drive any of the streets near here they just meander Mm -hmm. drugged up throughout Mm -hmm. the streets yeah and it's like they either want to be hit by a car or they just truly are so out of their mind that they can't care but it i when alex lived here it was like zombie land when we would drive around Mm -hmm. because they are just in multiple lanes of traffic walking around so sad what who even wants to allow something like that what happened to protecting the people in society that need basic safety yeah. And instead we're we're continuing this mess and then we funnel more money into creating homeless shelters where they can do their drugs in safe environments. Right. What is happening? It's I mean it's really like it's it's hard to really like put into words but really these policies enable this behavior that the left always advocates for and pushes through. And it's like it's actually really sad. It's sad. Like why are we okay with huge tents in the middle you know of the dividend in the street or whatnot or in the residential areas even like just tents everywhere and you know my favorite thing la people call them unhoused neighbors oh yeah unhoused neighbors so now we're changing a term to make it more soft and compassionate and that they say like oh it actually helps them and like you know we have to you know give them room and everything and it's like no you're tolerating this behavior like yeah the what and it's dangerous so this is (laughs) want to know a terrible story so this table we're in my apartment right now this table was just over like 10 feet that way Allie. Mm -hmm. and from that angle it's the front door is looking right at you and alex spencer 
she works at Arsenal now. She used to live with me. And one day I had run out late to a meeting or something and I forgot to lock the door behind me <gasps> and she was home and it was her like first day working remotely Oh, because no. she used to work at Turning Point. And yeah. so she just got her new remote job and she was going to start working with me from our house. Uh-huh. And so I just got like a little complacent thinking like, oh, Alex is here. And I ran out the door and forgot to lock it that day. And it ended up being where apparently word on the street is that whenever the homeless people find out there's an empty apartment in this complex, they all start going there. (gasps) And so they got the numbers wrong is what the police were saying. And the rumor was that, oh, our apartment was empty, but they (gasps) they mixed up the number. So the rumor was that go to our apartment number and you could walk in. so what happened is alex thought that i couldn't get in or something and she heard somebody fumbling and she just innocently goes opens the door and it's two homeless people no trying to jiggle our lock no get into the and they're trying to like pick it no she opens opens the door and she's just like that's not morgan and she slams it and we call and we were like uh somebody was trying to break into our apartment and we're really concerned about it the police come and they say yeah unfortunately it looks like your apartment is going around as the rumor mill of being an open one. Literally that same afternoon, I go out and that's when I accidentally did it. <gasps> I accidentally left the door. I know it's a huge mistake on my part. Oh no. Alex is sitting right there at the table <gasps> and someone walks into our apartment. No. Okay. I'm sorry. I just screamed. <laughs> and Alex. So the funny thing is I have, I, I carry my Glock everywhere. And so Alex doesn't like when I had my holster on the Glock, Alex thought that was my gun. And oh. I was like, no, this is, this is an appendix uh, in the waistband holster and like like you can't even see the trigger on it. It's oh, just like, no. it's in there. Yeah. So she doesn't know anything about that stuff. And so I was oh. like, honey, we got to fix this. Yeah. Because they just walked in oh. to our apartment. And no. the police and the apartment complex people said like, we're super sorry. Like hopefully they start to realize that your apartment is empty. Hopefully now they that start people to realize. <laughs> they were like, yeah, like hopefully they the word spreads that they got the numbers wrong and they won't come see you guys anymore. That is such a problem in and of itself that they yeah. got their numbers wrong. Okay. Can we just lock the door? Well, yeah, so, so like, yeah, we locked the door and now, like, of course we always locked the door. It was just happened to be this terrible mistake that oh one day when I ran gosh. out, but yeah, all the police could say was like, well, hopefully they learn the lesson of it's not your apartment that's empty and then we'll keep an eye on it. And then the apartment complex was like, well, we have locked gates. They wait at the gates and Alex has had it too, where she'll try and go on a run. They wait at the gate and this is so uncomfortable. They'll be like, can you hold the door? Can you hold the door? Oh. What is she supposed to do if a grown man is waiting there and telling her to hold the door open and she's alone. And so then, okay, we can't go on our runs anymore. Like we can't go on walks around the neighborhood because what if he gets mad that we don't hold the door open for him Mm -hmm. or they just scoot in when the cars are opening the gate. So it's super easy to get in. The apartment complex says, oh, well, we have gates. And if they come up to you when you're opening the door, just say no. It's like, oh, gee, I'll stop them. Yeah. That'll really make them happy if we say no right to their face, a grown man, and we're in our 20s. So the apartment complex then says, we're sorry, we've we've done everything that we could with the gates, but the city and like this, the policy is that we can't really stop them from doing anything because they're established as a community over there. Yeah. Across the street. Yeah. In a homeless community that's at the base of a mountain. Yeah. So weird, Allie. I went on a rant, but that's that's the experience of it, of what are we supposed to do on a day-to-day basis yeah. so we can't go on a walk on the sidewalk well, now. Well, something I heard like you were saying is like the policies, you know, the policies don't allow them to do that. And same with the police. Like yeah. the police were just like, well, hopefully. And that's what's happening across mm-hmm. the country. It's the police are losing their, their power to actually be able to, you know, take these people in and, 
and charge them with like attempted robbery or attempted burglar burglary you know it's like what is happening what is happening to our our justice system it's it's absolute chaos if you ask me and i would say i think one of my questions would be like what is the current state of la right now Mm -hmm. do you think that the recall is going to go through like what is the current state of the recall yeah so we they have um 30 business days since the time that we turned them in which was on july 6th so how many signatures were needed 566,000 and then like 686 or something random. Yeah. So, um, and we turned in seven, 700,015. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or 715. Yeah. Over 700,000, which is crazy. (laughs) Now, how long did it take you to get those? When did the recall effort start? Do you know? Yeah. So the recall started January 28th. Or 27th, one oh, of wow. those days. Yeah. And so we had, um, you know, about six months or there's like a certain number of days, 180 days or whatever it was. I, okay. I'm really, I'm bad. I don't know. All no, the, no. Sorry for all the these questions. I, the general ones help us because uh, I'm yeah. not from LA. I don't know what the policies are there. Yeah. So you guys have it and now you have what, until August something to get them evaluated. Mm-hmm. But isn't the guy kind of sketchy? Right. Yes. So the guy, and I talked about this in the episode that I did by myself where yeah. I called him Gasson, my bad. Yeah. Um, but the guy who's responsible for counting and verifying the signatures mm-hmm. has a very sketchy past yes. of in Seattle when he used to work up there, uh-huh. he counted fraudulent votes and it started yeah. to get exposed mm-hmm. that illegal or whatever votes were counted and he basically was removed from office and then he hid in shame and moved to LA and then got this position. Yeah. And now he's in charge of counting these recall votes. Yeah. And he is leftist funded. Yeah. I mean, I love that for you guys. Yeah. It's, um, the corruption is so deep in all these different cities. And, uh, I think really what I want to pass on to other people who might not be living in big a big city like New York, San Francisco, LA, Miami, whatever. Yeah. You know, you might be in a red city or a red state, but this can still happen in a very underlying way. And we talk about this a lot. It's, and you were saying before we started, you know, this is homeschooling the citizenry. And um, I really think that people need to take it into their own hands to become aware and alert about who they're voting for and the policy, the policies that they're going to implement and what it means for your town and your city. Um, because this can happen anywhere. It can. And then that's the reality of it all. Yeah, no, for sure. And not only that, but this is a good lesson of don't just pay attention to who's running for mayor, who's mm-hmm. running for Congress, who's running for governor, who's yeah. running for president. Every position where you have to run has a lot of power yeah. in some way or another. An elective of, elected official. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people do not know what a DA is, a district attorney. But what we also saw with COVID were was the rise of respect for attorney general mm-hmm. in the state Yeah, um, and other positions at the state level because that's how you fight back against things like federal mandates. That's yeah. how you fight back and mm-hmm. provide that check in our system that is a constitutional republic rooted in federalism. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to be a system of checks and balances. And yeah. so law enforcement is also supposed to be a system of checks or a, a provider of checks onto the system. Yeah. And um, what we saw too was sheriffs. They just comply. Law enforcement officers, they just yes. comply and they enforce things that are unconstitutional and that they truly do have the constitutional authority to say, mm-mm. Yeah. We aren't going to enforce these things. Speaking of sheriffs and the constant woke spiral, mm-hmm. LA, most the most current move of the woke left is that they have now, um, the board of supervisors have voted on eliminating the position of the sheriff. And for, You're kidding. No. 
no, this is a huge deal. They're going to start taking away these sheriffs that are actually constitutional because anyone who lives in California or LA even knows that Sheriff Villanueva is one of the main people who is holding that city together because he They're actually to remove his position. He wants, they, they want to remove him from office because he actually what? Sorry. Because he is a constitutionalist. He's a Democrat, but he believes in freedom for all. And my belly hurts. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to stop. Are they? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's the thing. And Joe Biden was even saying it too, of like, if you don't get your way, then just find another way to yeah. achieve the end. And to them that the end justifies the means yep. they're willing to do things like pack the Supreme court and the filibuster and mm-hmm. the electoral college disrupt our constitutional process mm-hmm. and then remove straight up positions like mm-hmm. a sheriff mm-hmm. to achieve their end. Yeah. What is their end? That's the big question. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I think ultimately they want this chaos in society because it's where they thrive. It's where mm-hmm. they can grab power. It's where they can force their policies through because they believe in force, not choice. Yeah. They believe in shoving things through in a centralized way. Mm-hmm. So what are they doing? This the board, this, yeah, the, the local city the, council, the board of supervisors of oh, LA, board of supervisors. Yeah, okay. they voted on like they use all this like termage, right? Like they oh passed it to be voted on, whatever that like mm-hmm. point is. You probably know the term better than I do, but um, they basically like someone pushed through this bill of like, hey, we should eliminate the sheriff. Let's vote on if we should eliminate this sheriff, and so they voted on it, and now it's going to actually go through to the next step to see if oops sorry if they can eliminate his position well (laughs) what a great note to leave off on that's fascinating um ali let's do a little teaser of what the weather underground is and why it's connected to da's and then we'll do a whole episode on it another time cool yeah so uh we brought up chesa budin Mm -hmm. who is the former da of san francisco and he got officially recalled yeah He did. And it was really interesting because I was actually up in San Francisco for about two months last year and I saw them out with their tables gathering signatures. And so it was really exciting because I, I knew that I wanted to like get Gascon recalled at that time. And so, you know, I just stopped to talk with the volunteer and just encourage them. And, um, you know, the people who were doing the recall were just passionate people that wanted their public safety back. Um, and they saw these damaging policies. So anyway, Chesa Boudin, his parents were founding members of the Weather Underground, which, for people who don't know, that was a communist organization that started in the University of Michigan in the 1970s. And they're probably one of the bigger communist groups. There's a lot of little commie groups back in the <laughs> 60s and 70s. A lot of little commie groups. A lot of little this com- one has uh, yeah. done some damage. Yeah, they bombed the Senate bu- the U.S. Senate building. <laughs> <laughs> what a transition. I'm like, they've done some damage. They bombed the Senate building. <laughs> they bombed the Senate building. But one of their bigger deals is uh, they did a bank heist. And so... Um, do you want to go into that for the next episode? Yeah, just, just okay. tease it a little bit so yeah. people understand how serious this is. Because okay, this yeah. is not just one little San Francisco, L.A. district attorney situation. This yeah. is a decades-in-the-making process that yeah. is coming to fruition. Yeah, so Chase, of his parents were basically the getaway drivers for this bank heist. And uh, he was raised by commies. He went and lived with Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorr, who were the founders of Weather Underground. And Bill Ayers has a long history of being a communist. Um, And then didn't he dedicated his life to getting his parents out, right? Yeah, yeah. So his parents went to prison because of the um, bank heist. And um, he 
just worked his whole life. He went and became a lawyer. And throughout interviews and everything, if you look up, you know, Google him or whatnot, you can find what he said. And he's devoted his career into getting them out. And he did. His dad got out in 2020. And his mom was a little bit before that. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Isn't that nice? It's great. Um, Allie, this is going to be a fascinating story. Maybe yeah. my favorite episode ever. I hope oh. you guys listen to it. Stay tuned for a full breakdown of the Weather Underground, the communist group that bombed the U.S. Senate. Uh, and then but they, how many people have they killed? Was it? Well, in that bank heist, they killed three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it, it's a violent group, mm-hmm. a crazy history. And then you see the connection from past to present in the stories that Allie's going to tell us. Allie, mm-hmm. thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was so f- I this love hearing all of your expertise. Yeah. Oh, now you guys you. know why Allie and I work together because I think she's fascinating and she cares about this stuff too. I'm like, you care about weather underground? <laughs> Excuse me? Most people don't even know what that is. Yeah. Um, but it's. I think it's going to be talked about a lot more from now on. Yeah. People are going to- I hope so. I mean, they, the left romanticizes it now mm-hmm. as like, oh, remember the good old days when, yeah. we, when we had the great organization? Um, yeah. You guys, if you liked this, please share it. Let everybody know that there's a way to have local impact. Allie, actually, let's close out what's needed next. What would happen if you guys have the needed signatures? Is it a vote, right? 50-50 or? Um, so if all the signatures get approved or if we we have enough over the 566,000, then um, the recall goes through and then the Board of Supervisors, those woke people, will vote on um, whether or not we have a special election or if it's going to be on the ballot in November. And so we're really hoping for the ballot in November. Um, but if they want to do the special election, that is taxpayer funded. And that was another thing that that was a total misconception about the recall. It is not taxpayer funded. It's only taxpayer funded if we have a special election. The rest was all donations Wow! by concerned citizens. Well, I'm excited. We'll have to stay yeah. tuned on that one. Keep an eye on that, you guys, and make sure you understand who represents your area as district attorney. Yeah. Make sure that they're not funded or that the campaign upcoming is not funded by George Soros. But we'll yeah. get into that in the next episode. Thanks for listening, you guys. Share it online if you liked this episode and want to educate people on this entire situation. We really appreciate it. If you like the show, subscribe. Uh, share it and give us five star review. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.